0: Genesis chapter number 20. Genesis chapter number 20, the last couple of weeks we've been looking at Lot. Uh, so we've been looking at Abraham and then we come to chapters 18, chapter 19 uh, and we look there at Lot, look at Lot moving into Sodom and then of course we looked at the effects of living there in Sodom and we saw the effects that it had on Lot and on his family and of course some very real applications to our current day and so we definitely learned a lot from uh, Genesis uh, uh, chapter 19 concerning Lot, uh, but now we move back into the life of Abraham. And as we mentioned last week, we talked about Lot and how that you know the Bible does tell us that Lot was a just man. And if it weren't for that reference in the New Testament, uh, we would very easily come to the conclusion that Lot was not a saved man. But the Bible in the New Testament does say that he was. But then when we go back and we look at the life of Lot, We see a man who believes God, who lived a life of sin, whose life ended in disgrace. The last we hear of Lot, other than historical reference, but the last we hear of his life, of his person, is at the end of chapter number 19, in complete disgrace. And any time a Christian walks away from God, you can mark it down, their life will end in disgrace. And boy, I'm telling you what a powerful lesson that we learned from Lot. But now we come to chapter number 20 and we've returned to Abraham. And boy, I'm telling you what, this is a very interesting chapter uh, because we see here in chapter number 20, we see several things. There's a lot to be learned here. But one thing that we see is the devil is always working to to stop God's plan. Now the devil's unable to stop God's plan, but he is always trying to stop God's plan. God had promised that Abraham was going to have the promised seed. Isaac is going to come through Abraham. This is where the Messiah will be coming through. And the devil is doing his best to stop it. And so we come here to Genesis chapter number 20, and we see that the devil has caused Abraham to trip in a place that he's shown weakness before, caused him to trip up there again. You know, isn't it interesting that we are often guilty of committing the same sin? Isn't it interesting that It's as if we have a weakness. You know, we like to think that the Lord would reveal to us that this is wrong, and so we're like, oh, that is wrong. And we overcome that, and then the Lord shows us something else and that we grow in that way. But boy, I'm telling you, all of us have areas of weakness. We're in this flesh. We have areas of weakness. And the devil knows what those areas of weakness are, and he will prey on those areas of weakness. And we see this being illustrated here in Abraham's life in chapter Number 20, some 20 years prior to Genesis chapter number 20, which that helps you remember this is Genesis chapter number 20 is 20 years after Abraham had made the same mistake before. So it helps you remember that in your Bible study. But some 20 years prior to this uh, in Egypt, Abraham had made this mistake. Twenty years have gone by, and we see that Abraham is once again committing the same sin. This passage reveals uh, several things that we'll look at this evening. One, it reveals that Christians do sin. You know what? The Bible has never tried to gloss over the fact that Christians do sin. We, We have accounts of many great men, and the Bible doesn't gloss over their failures. But the Bible does teach us uh, that Christians go on despite of their failures. They get up and they go on anyway. But it shows us that Christians do sin. Uh, Too, it also shows us that without the help of the Holy Spirit, we are prone to stumble. In the same areas, without the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, we never reach a point where we no longer need God. We never reach a point where we can operate in our own strength. And boy, I'm telling you what, a lot of times the devil will try to trick us with that. Boy, you're faithful to church, you're faithful to your Bible study, faithful to prayer, and and you feel yourself getting closer to the Lord, you feel yourself getting stronger spiritually, you feel yourself getting stronger in regards to resisting temptation and you're doing better and better and you're growing and the devil jumps on your shoulder and he's like, you're in good shape, you could probably skip devotions today, I mean, you're pretty spiritual. You could could miss a church service. You're you're okay. That's not going to hurt you to miss that. It's, It's okay if you dabble a little bit in that sin. You're strong spiritually. And as soon as we walk away from the Lord and depending on Him and trusting in Him, we find that we were just as weak as we ever were. We are nothing in our own strength. It is only through the help of the Holy Spirit that we're able to stay close to the Lord. But then we also learn that we have a gracious heavenly father. We look at this passage. We learn that we have a gracious heavenly father who often protects us from our own folly and enables us to fulfill his will in spite of our own weaknesses. Abraham had no idea what was going on, as we'll see in the story. Abraham had no idea what was going on in Abimelech's house that night, but God was protecting Abraham from his own folly so that Abraham could... Do the will of God in spite of his weakness. And so there's much to be learned from Genesis chapter number 20. I'm going to go ahead. It's only 18 verses long. And I'm just going to read the entire chapter so we get an overview of the entire story. uh, And then we'll take a few moments and look at it this evening. Genesis chapter number 20 starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, She is my sister. And she, even she herself said, He is my brother." In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore I suffered thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed she is my sister, she is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, This is thy kindness that thou, will, that thou shalt show unto me at every place whither we shall come, say of me, He is my brother. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other. Thus she was reproved. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah... Abraham's wife. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather in your house tonight. Father, I pray that you will bless now as we look at your word. Uh, Father, Lord, I pray that you enable us to be able to speak and to teach. Uh, I pray, dear Lord, that you enable us to be able to convey the message that is found in this passage of Scripture. And Lord, as we look at this example, uh, Father, Lord, definitely not a highlight of Abraham's life, but, Lord, a realistic thing that did happen, and, Lord, a lesson that we can learn from. And, Fathers, we look at it. I pray to your Father that you will help us uh, to be challenged, uh, to be encouraged, to apply it to our life. Uh, Father, Lord, that we may learn from the mistakes of others, that it may help protect us against our own shortcomings, Father, I pray. I ask that you be with the many requests that were made, and Lord, as we pray for them later, uh, Lord, I pray that you'll be with each and every person in each and every need. I pray for the uh, children's programs downstairs. I pray for the team meeting downstairs. I pray for uh, Brother Aaron as he's teaching and uh, Brother... Kent, as he's teaching, Lord, I pray that you will use them uh, and the work that they do, that, Lord, the seed may be sown in the hearts and minds of these young people, I pray. Bless as we look into your word, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. As I said, there's much to be seen here in this passage, but we're just going to jump right in and work our way through this uh, passage of Scripture and see what we can learn from it. The first thing that we see is in verse number 1, where we see Abraham's re- Location. Abraham's relocation. Now it's interesting to note that Abraham had lived in Hebron uh, for 20 plus years. He had settled there. There's where he had stayed. Uh, There's where he's lived. He was in the will of God. It's where God had brought him to when he had came out of Egypt. And Abraham stayed there for quite some time. But now in verse number one, we see Abraham moving. Now the Bible does not tell us why Abraham moved. God does not indicate that God told him to move, uh, but we see Abraham moving. Now, many people have uh, concluded that it's very possible because we know from chapter number 19 uh, that Abraham was able to see uh, the fire coming up from Sodom. So it's possible that uh, Abraham could see the ruins of Sodom and maybe just the the thought of all that took place there uh, was just more than he could handle every morning looking down there at the ruins. Uh, perhaps uh, he uh, had not yet heard what had happened to Lot, whether or not Lot was safe. And, and so we don't know, but it seems that for some reason shortly after the destruction of Sodom, Abraham decided to move. Abraham picked up stakes uh, and left. Now, we are only assuming that Abraham's moving on his own here but we can also make this application that if he is moving on his own whenever we start acting on our own wisdom we always get ourselves into trouble if it is so that abraham said hey i'm just going i know god wants me here but i can't handle looking at the ruins i'm going to pick up and move and so abraham began to go on his own You start putting yourself in dangerous situations. And so we see here that Abraham relocated. And it says, And Abraham journeyed from thence uh, toward the south country. Same road that he traveled before. The same road that took him to Egypt. uh, Going the same direction. Uh, Abraham is making the same mistake. It's very easy to conclude from this that Abraham is once again walking in the flesh. And before you judge Abraham, just think about yourself. Boy, I'm telling you what. We'll go a few days that we're doing good and then we find ourselves doing what? Walking in the flesh again. The Lord has to deal with us. He has to get our attention. He gets us back on the narrow way and next thing you know, we're walking in the flesh again, depending on the flesh. And and it seems that whenever any one part of our makeup, uh, humans are made up spiritual, mental, physical beings, and when any one of those become weak or, or, or struggling, it seems like we will default back to our comfort zone. We see here that Abraham was most likely, very likely, struggling mentally with the destruction of Sodom. He was weak. He defaulted back to what? Going south. Egypt, defaulted back to the same thing. And many times you will find in yourself uh, that if you are weak spiritually, uh, that you will start coming away from God. If you're struggling mentally, you'll find yourself going away from God. If you're uh, struggling physically, you'll find yourself having difficulty, staying close to God. So we see here that Abraham, though, he's walking in the flesh, uh, he's relocating, he's going away, he's headed south, uh, and he's headed... He doesn't go all the way to Egypt. Matter of fact, he stays inside the promised land, but just inside the promised land. He's right there, right on the border of the promised land. And he comes and he sojourns in Gerar. Now Gerar is the land of the Philistines. And as we will see uh, going through the Bible, you will find that the Philistines have always... uh, been a headache for the Israelites. They have always been a problem. And here he comes into Gerar and he's going to sojourn there in the land of the Philistines. And then we see in verse number 2, Abraham's repeated sin, the same sin. And we spoke about this a little bit in the introduction, that Abraham commits the same sin. In verse number 2, And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. She is my sister. The same sin The same mistake. Now I just have to say here though that Sarah must have been a good lady because when he pulled this before, he got Sarah in all kind of difficult positions. And now they're coming here and he says to Sarah, he's like, we're going to do this again. You're going to say you're my sister and uh, this is how you're going to protect me. And so they got there and he said to Sarah, she is my sister and you'll find later on in the passage uh, that Abimelech said that Sarah went along with it. Sarah confirmed it, that yes, she was his sister. Boy, I'm telling you what, looking out for the protection of Abraham, but doing so... Uh, under the influence of the flesh. And now we leave. You'll see there on your uh, worksheet that we have a little division. So we're going from Abraham. Now we're going to look at Abimelech a little bit in there. In verse number 2, we see Abimelech's presumption. Abimelech's presumption. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Now many times we forgive Abimelech because Abraham said Sarah was his sister. But Abimelech is not acting in a godly manner. And later on we'll see that he tries to use Abraham's sin as an excuse for his own sin. Abimelech is king. Abimelech's got many wives, and yet he presumes that he has a right to take another wife. He presumes that as king it is his right to do as he pleases. Do you know what? There is no position that exalts anyone above the Word of God. There is no position that anyone will ever be in that exalts them to a place that they are no longer responsible for what God has commanded. The fact that Abimelech was heaping wives unto himself was presumptuous to think that he could take Sarah just because uh, she was not Abraham's wife. How presumptuous of him to do this. But he presumed that he could go, he could get her. No no asking Sarah if she wanted to go. No consideration of Sarah's desire, Sarah's feelings. Uh, this was a, a force of authority. I'm king, you come with me. I'm king, you're going to be part of my harem. This was Abimelech's presumption that he could get Sarah. He could force Sarah. He could take her uh, to his home. Now, there's something interesting to note here. It's like a hidden thing that oftentimes we overlook. And that is that Sarah is 90 years old. Now, we know that aging was different then than it is now, but this is after the flood. Folks are only living to be about 90 to 100 years old at this time. And so Sarah is a very elderly lady. Abimelech is the king of Gerar, we can tell by his presumptuous attitude uh, that he takes whoever he wants. There's no limit, no boundary. He takes whoever he wants. Now normally, someone who has the ability to take whomever they want uh, don't necessarily go after the 90-year-old ladies. But we see Abimelech going after the 90-year-old ladies. And then we're like, what what is going on here? Well, there's a miracle that's taken place here. God has either, and this is what I believe, preserved Sarah's youth so that she will have health to deliver the child or God has restored her youth so that at 90 years old, coming into the land of Gerar, Sarah doesn't look or behave like an elderly senior saint. Sarah competes with the 20-year-olds. Boy, I'm telling you what, what a miracle that God has preserved her youth so that she will be able to mother this child. A miracle right there that oftentimes uh, we just overlook. But there's a miracle here. We see uh, that uh, Abimelech came and he, he took Sarah. But then we see, next of all, we see Abimelech's problem. In verse number 3, it says, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. I see here Abimelech's problem. Abimelech, uh, Abraham said she's my sister. Now I find it interesting that they felt that uh, 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 Abimelech wouldn't have taken Sarah if she was Abraham's a wife, or he may have killed Abraham, but he was not going to take a woman into his harem who had a living husband. He was not going to do that, which I find interesting. And isn't it an interesting lesson that we can learn here that we often pick and choose our sins? Abimelech felt it was okay to take any available woman. He felt that it would be okay to kill her husband so that she was now available. But he wasn't going to take somebody that had a living husband. Isn't it interesting how we pick and choose our sin? We may not pick and choose the same way that Abimelech did, but all people are guilty of picking and choosing sins. Oh no, I could never do that. But this, Eh, you know, that's okay. We forget the Bible says if we offend in one point of the law, we're guilty of all. Boy, we pick and choose what we feel is okay. But we see here that Abimelech has a problem. God came to Abimelech and said, Behold, thou art but a dead man. Now, and you'll see this in Abimelech's prayer, which is our next point. But Abimelech had heard about Sodom. I have no doubt. Abimelech has heard about Sodom. He's heard about the destruction. He knows what God has done. And when God appears in a dream and says, Abimelech, you're a dead man. Abimelech had absolutely no doubt that God was capable of making him a dead man. God was capable of wiping him out. And you'll see here in verse number 4, we see Abimelech's prayer. We see that this is what Abimelech is thinking. It says, but Abimelech, had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? God said to Abimelech, you are a dead man. And Abimelech said, will you also slay? He had just slain Sodom, a wicked nation. Will you also slay a righteous nation? Abimelech has heard of Sodom. He knows of the destruction that God did. And he said, are you going to wipe us out as well? And so Abimelech uh, is praying. He is seeking the Lord. It says in verse number 5, Abimelech said, uh, said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. Now look at Abimelech justifying what he did. In the integrity of my heart and the innocency of my hands, have I done this? And the integrity of my heart and the innocency of my hands, have I done this? I did not know she was Abraham's wife. Did not know. And so he's asking that the Lord will have mercy on him. So we see Abimelech's problem, and I've, I've messed my notes up here, all right? We've seen Abimelech's problem, then I gave you Abimelech's prayer, which is number six. Back, back up, and number five is Abimelech's protection. And you can probably put them in any order that you want to there. That's why you got to refer to your notes. Yourself. But uh, Abimelech's protection, we see here in verse number 4 that the Bible says, But Abimelech had not come near her. And in verse number 6 it says, And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou did this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me, Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now, if you would, drop over to verse number 17. It says, So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech. Now, we look at these three verses to see God's protection. You know, oftentimes, when God is working in our life, we do not interpret what God is doing for what God is doing it for. We see that God appeared to Abimelech, and he said, Abimelech, you're a dead man. You you have messed up, you're a dead man. Then we see that God told Abimelech, he said, this is why I kept you from doing anything to her. And then in verse number 17, God healed Abimelech. What do we see here? We see that God made Abimelech deathly sick the night he brought Sarah into his house. God said, I know you did it, without understanding the full situation. So what I did to keep you from sinning even further is I made you deathly sick so that you were unable to come to Sarah. You were unable to pursue your desires. You were unable to do anything. I made you sick. That is just part of the reason why when God appeared to him and said, Abimelech, you're a dead man, Abimelech knew of Sodom, but at the same time Abimelech knew his own condition. God has struck me... A there's something, I knew something was wrong with Sarah because the moment she came into my uh, chamber, I began to feel sick. I told the servants to take her to the harem because I wasn't up to it. I was feeling ill. God said, uh, Abimelech, I protected you. And you know what? God does this for us in so many ways. He protects us. Sunday morning, we was coming to church and I knew... Uh, that Brother Carsley was going to be here and I wanted to be here in time to meet Brother Carsley so we could get him a table and get him set up and everything. And so I, I jump in the car in our Explorer and I turn the key and it won't do nothing, won't do anything at all. I'm like, what is wrong with this thing? Somebody must have left the light on. So I go get my truck and I pull my truck over and hook the jumper cables up to it. Won't do anything at all. I check the voltage, got plenty of volts. I'm like, I don't know, starter must have went out on it. So we put my truck back and we all get in Kaylee's car and we bring Kaylee's car to church and get here and I'm just, I'm just running all frazzled now, you know, and we get Carsley set up and everything and we just drive Kaylee's car again Sunday night. I didn't even look at the Explorer and so Monday I decided I was going to see if I could figure out if it was the starter and I opened the door and I sat down in the driver's seat and I noticed that the shifter's not in park, it's in drive. And that's why it wouldn't start. And I'm like, seriously? This is what had me all frazzled on Sunday morning. Somebody didn't put the car in driving? and I told Melissa, I said, one of us didn't put the car in park, And she said, it was me. And I'm like, it could have been me, but she tried to take credit for it. So I thank her for that. But so I said, this is what the problem was. The Sunday morning I was all frazzled. I'm running late. I'm not going to get there in time. But you know what? It could be that the Lord was protecting us from something that we had no idea about. Many times there are things that happen in our life that we see as negative that God has brought into our life to protect us from something far worse. And so I try to remind myself of that oftentimes, that this is the Lord is doing it. He is protecting me. And so we see Abimelech's protection. God said, Abimelech, I've seen what happened, and I'm sorry that you're sick, but that's why you're sick. I was protecting you. We see Abimelech's protection. So we see Abimelech's problem, Abimelech's protection in verses 4 and 6. Then we see Abimelech's prayer. Abimelech asking God if God would to forgive him and to, uh, to uh, show, show him mercy for this thing. And then in verse 6 down through verse number 8, we see Abimelech's pardon. It says in verse number 6, And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this, and the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me, therefore I suffered thee not to touch her. Now therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. You know, isn't it interesting whenever we go to the Lord, Lord, I, Lord, I need you to pardon me, I need you to show me mercy. He starts with the simple things. First things first of Him elect give the man back his wife. Let's let's start there, okay? Let's start with the simple things. Sometimes we we look for the big things and God just wants us to do the obvious things. He said restore the man his wife for he is a prophet. Now this is just an interesting thing for you to note right here is that is the first place uh, that anyone in the Bible is called a prophet. It's right here. That's the first place we see that occurred. However, we do know that there was a prophet before Abraham because the book of Jude in the New Testament, refers to Enoch as being a prophet. But Enoch's not called a prophet in the book of Genesis. So just some interesting Bible trivia for you there next time you're sitting around wanting to stump somebody. Abraham's the first one called a prophet, but Enoch was actually the first prophet. That, that don't cost anything. That's extra for you tonight. But anyway, we see here that it says, and he said, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. So he says, uh, Lord, I I need mercy. I need you to show me pardon. The Lord said, restore the man his wife, and we'll work on some mercy. But if you don't restore her, you will die, and everybody that is yours. This could mean his family. This could mean the entire nation. God said, I will bring judgment if you don't restore her. Then we... Uh, switch back from Abimelech to Abraham. In verse 9 through 13, we see Abraham's reasoning. And boy, I'm telling you what, there's some interesting stuff here as we look at Abraham. It says in uh, verse number 9 that Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech's like, Abraham, by by telling me this lie, you have put me in a really severe situation. What in the world did I do to you that you would put me in this situation? And listen to Abraham's excuses. We see, first of all, it says, and Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. The first thing we see under Abraham's reasoning is fear of man. Fear of man. You know what? When you quit relying on God, you will begin to be troubled by man. It's a very simple application. If if you look at the world around and all that is going on, if you have got your trust in the Lord, it really isn't all that concerning. But when you take your eyes off the Lord and begin to focus on what's going on in this world around us, boy, I'm telling you what, you get troubled, you get worried, you get concerned, you don't know how you're going to cope. When you get your eyes off the Lord, you will begin to be troubled by man. And so Abraham left where God had blessed him at. Abraham's traveling south by all appearances. It seems like Abraham's going on his own. He's got away from God. He's walking in his own understanding. He gets into Gerar, He makes the same mistake. He tells Sarah to claim that she's his sister. Why? Why does he do this? Because he's afraid of man. This is probably more proof than anything else in the chapter that Abraham is working on his own right now. He has left what God has told him to do. He's acting on his own and now he is afraid of cause of men. Not only was he afraid of men, but secondly, we look at Abraham's reason. We see that he justified his falsehood. There in verse number 12 it says, and yet indeed she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father but not the daughter of my mother and she became my wife. He justified his falsehood. You know what? Sometimes we try to say that, well, you know, it's partially true. But do you know what? Falsehood is as much involved with the words that we speak As it is with the intention behind the words. There's been many situations, some that we may have even been guilty of doing, in which someone else was misled. And an onlooker says, You misled them. And we say, I didn't lie. Kind of a little smug look. What I said was true. How they took it's their business. No, no. A lie is as much involved with the words you speak as it is with the intention behind the words you speak. Boy, I'm telling you what, oftentimes we try to excuse falsehood. We try to justify being misleading because I didn't, I didn't tell a lie. No, but you misled someone, and that's still classified as dishonesty. Abraham here in his reasoning, he's justifying his lie. Well, I mean, actually she is my sister. I didn't lie, Abimelech. She is my sister. No, but she's also your wife and you left that important detail out. Sometimes a half-truth is more dangerous than a flat-out lie because a half-truth has enough truth in it to make it believable. And therefore people are more willing to commit to the lie, and the whole time it's just as dangerous as before. So we see here that Abraham justified his falsehood. And then the last thing we see in Abraham's reasoning is in verse number 13. He says, And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said unto her, This is the kindness which thou shalt show unto me. At every place whether we shall come, say of me, He is my brother. We see here that there was a foolish agreement. Know why Sarah agreed to this? Why Abraham and Sarah sat down and thought of this? We don't know all the things that was behind their reasoning. But I do know this, that any time you agree together with someone else to deceive, you are setting yourself up for destruction. In the book of Acts, we read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Husband and wife agreed together to deceive and brought on to destruction. Here we see Abraham and Sarah agreed together to deceive and it brought hardship into their home. You know what? Anytime someone tries to get you to bargain or to uh, agree with them to lie, have no part of it. Have no part of it. It's a foolish agreement. You're setting yourself up for destruction if you agree to deceive. Never, never do that. So we see here Abraham gave his reasons why he did what he did. He's like, Abimelech, I was afraid. Abimelech, I really didn't tell you a lie. Abimelech, uh, this has nothing to do with you. This is something we do everywhere we go. Boy, I'm telling you, what a mark. We, we lie to everybody, Abimelech. This wasn't a new your character. This is a lie we tell everybody. You know, Just a foolish agreement. But this was Abraham's reasoning. And then we see Abimelech's presence. Now there's some interesting comparisons here, and i got to wrap up here pretty quickly, but some interesting comparisons here if you want to do this. Go back and look at the incident that took place in Egypt. Pharaoh gave to Abraham a present as well. He gave him livestock. He gave him servants. Uh, he, he gave to him some things to take with him. But the Pharaoh said, get out of my country. Abimelech responded differently. We see here in verse 14 to 16 that Abimelech gave three things to Abraham. We see first in verse number 14, And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him Sarah his wife. First Abimelech brought possessions. He brought possessions and gave them to Abraham. He brought livestock. He brought servants. And of course the thing he wanted most, he brought Sarah. But he brought possessions and gave them. Abraham, you know I think this is very interesting. This is a a rule that that I try to live by and I've tried to teach my children this and anyone else that will listen to me. True repentance will always cry louder than the offense. True repentance will always cry louder than the offense. Example, you see two children and they are screaming at the top of their lungs at each other, swinging fists, they're fighting it out. Parent intervenes, and whoa, 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 stop, 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 don't do this, no, 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 what happened? Quickly find out they're both at fault. The parent says, okay, tell each other you're sorry. 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 The repentance isn't crying louder than the offense. What this says is there is... No repentance. They still want to yell at each other. When we apply this to adults, many times there'll be something that is done that is hurtful or something that is sinful that should not be done. And we want to make it right, but we try to make the apology or the repentance as as, um, as small as possible. We try not to try not to. Cite anyone. It's just like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. You know. True repentance says, I am sorry. And I want you to know that I am sorry. And what we see here in Abimelech is a repentance that is crying louder than the offense. He says, I took your wife. Abraham, here's cows, here's goats, here's sheep, here's men servants, maid servants. Here's your wife. Abraham, I want you to know I am sorry for what I did. I want to let you to know that I would have never done this had I understood what was going on. Also something that's interesting, I'm, run, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, run a rabbit trail. Something else that's interesting though is when we look at Abimelech, Abimelech said, I, I want you to know that I'm sorry, but Abimelech prayed to God and said, I, I did this in my integrity. I did not realize. But yet he is still repenting on a grand scale. You know what we tend to do? Not my fault. I'm not going to apologize. I mean, if they would have told me the truth, I wouldn't have made the mistake. I don't owe them a, any apology. No, no, no. Whether you knew or not, you made a mistake. Make right the mistake. We need to learn to be people that are just quick to apologize, quick to say, I'm sorry. Quick to take fault because the sooner somebody takes fault and apologizes, the sooner the problem is resolved and the sooner we can move on in harmony. And many times you'll find that if you go ahead and take fault and apologize, now there are some hard-nosed people out there. I'm not saying this is 100% true. But if you're dealing with good-hearted people, if you take fault and apologize first and it really wasn't your fault, they'll acknowledge it. Say, no, it was me. I, I should be the one apologizing. Abimelech here said, I I didn't know what was happening. I did this in innocency. But yet, he goes a big way. Not only did he give possessions, but in verse number 15, we see he gave him a place. As I said, this is different from Pharaoh. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. Abraham, anywhere you want, any piece of real estate you want, any tent spot you want, you got it. Abraham, you find where you want to live. It's yours. I'll give you any spot you want. And unto Sarah he says, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other. Thus she was reproved. So he gives possessions, he gives a place and then we see that he pays a price, He said, I want you to know that I want to make this right. I want to welcome you to my land. I want to give you money. I want to give you a place to stay. I want to give you livestock. I want you to know that this is not something that I wanted to do. Abimelech gives a present. And then as we finish the chapter up, we see in verse 17 and 18, we see Abraham's request. So Abraham prayed unto God. And God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Abraham's request. Abraham prayed and said, Lord, will you restore their health? Will you restore them? Bring them back to a place of health. They've made right the wrong. I'm going to pray for them. And you know what? We need to be ready to pray for those who have done us wrong. We need to be ready to lift them up in prayer. Pray for them. I've told this before, but there was a preacher who uh, would travel through and he would stay in our home, and boy, he was a prayer warrior. And uh, I would wake up in the mornings and I'd hear him praying and and, uh, could just listen to him pray there in his bedroom. And he'd pray for for, uh, at least over an hour, sometimes more, uh, you'd hear him in there praying. And uh, there was the fellow that had done him wrong and had taken advantage of him and cost him a lot of money, another preacher, and that's sad that that had happened within Christianity. My dad asked him one time, he said, Brother, how do you keep from getting bitter at that guy? He said, I pray for him every morning. I pray for him. I pray for his wife, I pray for his family, I pray that God will bless him, I pray that God will bestow goodness upon him, the Lord will bless his ministry. He said, it's hard to be bitter towards somebody you're praying for. You know what? We need to be people that are willing to pray, willing to pray for others even if they have done us wrong. And so we see this example here of Abraham. Yes, Abraham messed up. Yes, he did. But we see here that Abraham's able to pray. And although the passage doesn't record a repentance on Abraham's part, it focuses on Abimelech, Abraham is able to pray and Abraham's able to get his prayer answered. This tells me that Abraham got his sin right as well. Boy, I'm telling you what, when we move into chapter number 21, what we've been waiting on, what we've been building towards, what we've been looking forward to takes place. And boy, things get exciting when we get into chapter number 21. So I'm looking forward to that next week. Did anybody think of any other request, anything they wanted? To-